It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a public affair. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm your host today, Carousel Baird, and it is Pledge Week. Always the most fun at WRT because you know that makes. More people on the radio show, we get more voices. And today, joining me to pledge rap with me and talk about why we love WRT is Wisconsin State Senator Melissa Agard. Hello, Melissa. Hey, Carousel. Here we go again. It's so great to have you. I'm excited to be here, and I'm so excited to support WRT as well. I, as a kid, uh, have warm feelings about WRT, and we need to make sure that they're here for future kids. You're a Madison native, and our first guest today is a Madison native. I mean, we're just hitting it out of the ballpark with all the people that love WRT and really have had it part of their entire life. Absolutely. I didn't, my, my dad's uh, house is very close to where WRT is, and I remember being able to come to um, block parties and other events that WRT would hold within the community. We could just walk here and be part of it. It was always something that we look forward to doing. And I want to remind everyone, um, we are asking for pledges this hour. If you want to call and join the conversation, the phone number is area code 608-256-2001. You can, again, of course, call and join the conversation you can pledge you can also pledge online at wortfm.org there's so many ways to make a contribution uh and today our show we're really talking we're really getting into the heart of one of the things that makes madison great we're talking with two restaurant owners two sort of chefs one one on the way up one sort of on the way down a little bit but all their stories telling all the different things of what's happening that make madison the great place that it is yeah one of the things that i love about madison is that it supports the fact that I love to eat good food. Um, So (laughs) I am super excited that we're going to be talking to people who really value good food and local food and the fact that food creates a sense of community because that's what WORT does is really defines our community, creates that sense of community, and provides an opportunity for folks to... um, to learn more about our friends and neighbors and the amazing things that are happening. And we need to make sure that today folks are putting their dollars where their values are and calling in and pledging to support WRT into the future. Absolutely. And the number again is area code 608-256-2001. We have Lois and Mary Jo ready to answer your call. So please call us at area code 608-256-2001. You can also pledge online, wortfm.com. Org. And any dollar amount matters. We're, we'll get into the different levels and prizes and, and things you can get in a little bit. But right now, just whatever you can give makes a difference. $10, $100, every uh, dollar amount in between. Area code 608-256-2001. Let's kick the show off. Um, we have two guests joining us today. Uh, we're talking about two amazing restaurants that are part of the Madison food scene. Um, for the second half of the show, we're going to talk with the owner of Lola's, the uh, new fabulous restaurant bar that exists on the north side of Madison. But for the first half of the show, for the first time ever on Wednesday, a public affair. I know she's been here a million times on everyone else's show, but I finally got her on mine. Hooray! <laughs> We have Francesca Hong, um, owner, uh, co-owner of Morris Ramen and also state representative. Hello, Fran. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing okay. I'm so happy to be here, Carousel, and always happy to see um, State Senator Melissa Agard. It's so great to have you. And I love it. We have, I mean, we're not talking about politics at all, but we have two amazing political leaders that just shows the versatility of our leaders in the Capitol. Um, so it's so great to have you, Fran. And 
I want to start off because we're talking about Morris Raman, which closed last week, February 24th, after seven years. And for me, Morris Raman and so many other people was the ramen destination in Madison and beyond. I mean, there are a handful of ramen places, not that many, but a handful. And I grew up in Los Angeles and in New York, and nothing reminded me of the food I ate in uh the you know diverse neighborhoods of my childhood more than eating at Morris Ramen. It was always a destination for me. Talk to us about you know maybe sort of the the origin story. What made you start Morris Ramen in the first place? Yeah, so Morris Ramen came to me from the we really wanted a small uh, neighborhood restaurant, and when we found this location on King Street. Um, we partnered with Shinji Muramoto, and we thought, what more soulful than soup and noodles? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's how Morris Ramen was born. Um, and it's the it was also the year that our family grew to three. My son George was born the same year, and we thought, why not have a bigger family than we could have imagined? Um, and so uh, that sense of family, that sense of community and nourishing um, soul food food is really what's at the heart of the restaurant. And you talk a little bit in um, the the social media posts where you um, announced the closing that happened last week. And you mentioned how this was part of your dream, you know, to open Morris Ramen. Um, talk to us about, you know, the decision to close and, and, um, and how that feels. Yeah, so... The decision to close really um, came from, you know, a rent is too high. <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to is we couldn't afford the rent anymore and pay our staff a living wage. Um, and we held on as long as we could. Uh, but that was really the two driving factors. Um, and, you know, it's been a very devastatingly beautiful time of, the community coming out to show just an overwhelming amount of support, sharing memories, seeing the kiddos who came in as babies and now being seven years old and and folks uh, sharing pictures of them being at the restaurant um, every every year. And so that's been um, what's been getting us through. And I think, you know, what I wrote in the post about um, dreams dying that doesn't mean you can't dream again Mm -hmm. and i think we're we're ready to close this chapter um and uh continue to support the community in other ways well i love that you mentioned about um the outpouring that's that that's happened uh since the announcement particularly i tried to get in last week and i showed up a half an hour before the doors opened and there was already quite the queue down the street um i didn't get into the restaurant that night because we had future plans which of course is sad but i must say it was super fun to be in line and talk with the people i think i was even talking to melissa on the phone at some point when i was there and my husband showed up in line and we're talking to the other people and it had this this sense of electricity of excitement of you know, it, it was a bit of a celebration of the great food we want to eat here one more time because we love it so much. Talk to us about the feedback you've gotten in the past week. Absolutely. I think um, we've called this whole period the celebration of the Morse realm in life. Mm. And you know, for folks to, you know, we were hearing that they wanted to pay homage. They wanted to share their memories. Um, and I think that... My favorite, one of my favorite moments was we put a bunch of two tops and singles together at the family table in the front of the restaurant. And by the, you know, middle and end of it, everyone had walked away with a new friend. And that's really what food is about is connecting people, um, bringing folks together to share. And I think, you know, that that was what made me feel like we'd done a good job. Yeah. Talk to us about, I mean, you're, you're so many, there's so many adjectives to put after your name, right? Not only are you restaurateur, you're a female restaurateur, you're a woman of color restaurateur in a restaurant that is 
at the Capitol, which is high rent and, and, and tricky sometimes. Capitol is a t- tricky place to have a restaurant because it's not neighborhoody, but there's always people there. And th- so talk to us about the challenges all of these things have added to be a successful woman, woman of color in the restaurant industry in Madison and beyond. I think being at the intersection of all those identities actually helps to um, helps my helps the reach of the restaurant, mm. my reach and being able to build more community. Um, you know, sometimes I say I, I feel like the restaurant and and um, I'm a I'm a bit of a pollinator. Um, and so bringing people uh, together and connecting folks, um, whether it's at the restaurant or at the community, um, or broader in the legislature, that um, that grows stronger in you when you have when you're at the intersection of all those different identities. And I think the struggles have generally been when, um, you know, I I don't feel like I can take up more space um, when I feel like you know this this very natural response to wondering if I'm supposed to be in a space. Yeah. Um, that very much early in my uh, political career, if you will. And I think um, when I, whenever I went back to the restaurant, and I always said this, um, working in the restaurant would ground me, would help me remember what, you know, some of the best in the community, and also remind me of the amount of entitlement that exists in community. And so I think just having all those different um, identities define me has given me um, a really great approach and perspective to bringing people together. Well, I wonder if also it, did it help you make a better legislature to be able to sort of run away sometimes and just be like, okay, I need to vent in a space that's mine that isn't the state capital. And all you had to do was walk a block or two and you're in your space. Yeah. And, you know, I never really considered it just my space. I think, um, you know, it's, it's my family's name on the door mm-hmm. and we're a family restaurant and we want families to feel celebrated there no matter who their family is. And, um, you know, that, that sense of community in and out of the restaurant is, is really how I survived the legislature. And I think what being in the restaurant industry has provided me is, is another pathway to build relationships, whether it's with Republicans or Democrats or the administration. And so um, going back to my space in the restaurant was another way for me to know that I had family outside of the restaurant to check in with staff and be amongst folks who are truly working their hardest um, to and, and bring me back to why I identify them most with service industry and working folks. Um, and then again, give me kind of the tools to stay grounded, uh, stay humble, and also, uh, you know, meet the absurdities of the legislature <laughs> with, um, you know, wanting to go out and create and make a difference. We're talking right now with Francesca Hong. Uh, she's chef, restaurateur, and uh her restaurant is Morris Ramen, uh, closing just this past week on the state capitol. She's also a Wisconsin state representative. Um, Frank, can we sort of break down a little bit all the the challenges for Morris Ramen, but even beyond in the restaurant industry? COVID felt as a, as an outsider, right? COVID felt like a little bit of a reckoning for the restaurant industry. Did you feel that? Did you, do you feel like things have changed for the way that uh, restaurant workers and maybe all service workers are treated by the public are treated internally, the standards that we expect, you know, for human decency? I've always thought that restaurants are a microcosm and a reflection of um, kind of our, our community ecosystem and how our systems work. Um, the inequities in the restaurant industry are very much like the inequities we see outside of it, hmm. whether it's um, the work of the, the folks, it's it being a low barrier um, entry position for a lot of the, the folks who are in the kitchen or front of the house. Um, and then you know, seeing that it gets more and dif- more difficult to pay a living wage. And because of the smaller margins, 
um, and most sm small business restaurants, restaurants that are independent and smaller, um, you see them struggling against a lot of corporate price gouging and corporate greed and larger restaurant change. Um, Post COVID, I think a lot more um, consumers recognize the hardships that restaurant workers go through, as well as the tiny margins that smaller operatings are going operators have to endure. Um, and it's been, I think, great for the community to really start showing up more and recognizing, like, tipping somebody well is because you know restaurant operators sometimes struggle with paying a higher wage and they have to make it up with people's tips. Mm -hmm. um, but no one should have to work for uh, uh, tips. And I think that um, we're looking at closing um, wage gaps and wage disparity. Um, the restaurant industry is, is putting more on um, looking at service charges so that people can offer more benefits and better wages. Um, so post COVID people saw firsthand more of the disparities and how um, much of a risk smaller operators are taking uh, in order to have a restaurant. Um, and then also look at the disparities in, in workers and, and how, um, how difficult it was for our workers to get unemployment uh, benefits um, if they're working part-time multiple jobs. Yeah. Um, and how restaurant industry is directly connected to so many other industries, whether it be the arts economy, whether it be supporting other smaller businesses, working with local trades. Um, and so people are seeing the ecosystem of the restaurant industry um, reflected from, you know, the broader systemic uh, inequities that we see outside of the industry. Francesca, I want to ask you a little bit about cooking and 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 love of food what made you decide to want to be a chef and a restaurant owner i think i was fascinated by the fact that cooking is both an art and a science and i was mm. not I, I wasn't i didn't do well in either of those i didn't <laughs> feel very creative i really struggled with math and science but when it came to cooking, I found this really beautiful intersection of both. And I loved working with my hands, even though everything else was, um, you know, focusing on studies or, or in getting into college. And I think when I started cooking in high school um, and working in a restaurant, I just felt more at ease. And in a restaurant, I really did feel like I belonged. So that's kind of what kickstarted. Um, and then when when I started working in restaurants professionally, um, you know, I, it felt right. It felt like these are the people I want to be around. Uh, and so I ended up dropping out of college to cook full time and just be in the, the beautiful chaos that is the restaurant yeah. industry. What's your, what's your favorite dish to make? So I, when Caseta used to do brunch, they had these beautiful soft scrambled eggs with pecorino cheese and cracked black pepper. Yum. And I've been trying to replicate that and <laughs> because it's it's one of my favorite things to eat. And I've been trying different techniques to figure out how to do it exactly the way Tommy used to do it. Um, but it's it's a dish that both George and I love. My son George always asks in the restaurant, can you make the scrambled eggs softer um, and fluffier? Uh, because he likes the soft scrambled eggs as well. So I would have to say soft scrambled eggs with pecorino cheese and cracked black pepper. And I feel like you can take that and then combine it with some ramen or something else. I mean, is ramen something you eat at your house or that's more just you get enough of it at Morris Ramen? So you're hearing it first on WRT that I actually enjoy packaged ramen at home <laughs> or the Korean ramyun. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll jazz it up with um, extra eggs or if I'm making um, uh, another, like if I have other proteins around, um, add chicken or beef and sometimes kimchi. But George and I will go ham on a couple of packages of Korean ramyun. 
that's I mean that's what comfort food is. It's just sort of all of that. Something health health has nothing to do with it, and sometimes it doesn't have to be the top quality. It's the people you're eating it with, and the way it makes you feel full and warm at the end of the day. That's part of what the magic of food is. That's great. Um, okay, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Um, what's next? What should people that love Morris Ramen love? Um, your cooking, where should we keep our eyes open to, to see future endeavors? Do you feel like you're still going to be part of the restaurant world somewhere in Madison? Um, I do plan on going back to working in restaurants, but I think my ask for the community right now is to continue to show love for our smallest restaurants and our restaurants that are owned by folks from underserved communities. Um, I think it's, build stronger food systems and stronger community when we take care of one another. And it's, you know, I think right now it's about showing love for those smaller independent restaurants. What's your favorite place? Where should we go? The place that I haven't even thought about yet. Um, my two favorites right now, well, Himal Chuli on State Street has oh. always been a go-to. And then I love Kutong over in the old Plaka restaurant spot just around the corner from Ooh. here. Um, phenomenal uh, uh, Chinese food. Um, some of the best I've had in this city. And uh, the owner, she she has magical specials and um, the service has always been fantastic. And I think it's one of the most underrated restaurants in town. Oh, that's fantastic. On, on the first Friday of every month, there's dancing at um, uh, the Cardinal Bar. And that's right by the Cardinal Bar. So I am... Now I'm going to eat there for dinner on Friday night before I go dancing at the Cardinal Bar. That's fantastic. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Fran. Thank you for serving us food, amazing, delicious food for the past seven years. And, of course, way before that, before you opened Morris Ramen. Thank you for all that you do, and we can't wait for the next chapter. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, all. Well, Melissa, that was pretty fabulous to talk to Francesca and to talk to her in a non-political we didn't even we barely talked about politics yeah I I'm curious uh in 10 years what George is gonna look at and think back to his time at Morris my dad owned um a business when I was growing up and I remember on snow days being able to go to work with him and build forts under his desk and um have friendships with people that that worked at his business and I'm yeah. sure that George is gonna have that as well I'm sure that having Morris in his life from the time he was a, a tiny baby um, is going to be something that he looks back with sparkles in his eyes. I love that to think that, right, It not only will it not die in all of our hearts, but the magic that it she has created in her family. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, not to, not to transition into Wart, but I think Wart, W-O-R-T is the kind of place where, right, we're part of your family from the start and you just keep growing up with it. Absolutely. And I would like to thank Stacy. Um, Do we have who a pledge? Has made a pledge already. And actually, Stacy's a good friend of mine. So I'm super excited. Thank you, hey, Stacy, hey. for supporting Wart and um, for joining us today for our pledge wrap. Um, so glad that you are here. And Stacy loves back to the country. And I like it like that. Um, so thank you, Stacy, very much for supporting. WRT. Oh, that's fantastic. Yay. So we our goal this hour is to get um, eight pledges. Let's see if we can do it. We've got one down. I know they usually come in the second half, so we're completely ready. I want to remind everyone the phone number is area code 608-256-2001. We have Mary Jo and Lois ready for calls. Um, and we are just getting set up for the second half of the show. But I want to let everyone know you can pledge online as well at wortfm.org. And there are um, gifts that you can get if you're at the $30 level. You can do the sticker set if you're, you know, and on and on. $40 level is a one-year subscription to the Progressive Magazine, which I love and is a source of so much knowledge. Um, is there a new sweatshirt? I feel like there's something. A new hoodie. Here it is. The new WORT hoodie. Because unfortunately it is still cold. We think it's not cold, but it's cold. I got you, cold you again. You need your hoodie. Mm-hmm. And you can get a hoodie for $120. Um, that pledge can be uh, 
pledge of $120, the hoodie can be yours. But really, I want to just remind everyone, we need WRT. Um, it, it serves something that we can't get anywhere else. I get to have Melissa Agards here today just chilling with us. And hooray for you for getting through another term on the Senate and um, ready to... You know, rela- are you all done voting, oh, or will no, there be no, more no. votes? Yeah, the it's the, not done. The assemb- Fran That's finished right. up. She the assembly's done. Really difficult week, but the ass- the Senate will be back in March, so we'll see what sort of cleanup we do. Well, Hopefully, I'm it's s- all cleanup for the good. Yes, well, we're so lucky to have you because I think the conversations that we have, the relationships that we build with you, with Fran, with all the elected leaders, we get those in detail conversations on WORT that you can't have anywhere. I know you and I are friends outside of this show. And, you know, I know you're always doing quick interviews here and there because everyone wants to hear you. But when we get you on war, we get you for 20 minutes and we get details and we get to ask you questions. That doesn't happen anywhere else except here. No, it's great. And it's also good for the elected officials because they're being held accountable by the people within their communities. So um, when I am invited to be able to share space with WRT or be interviewed by folks from WRT, I see it as a real check and balance for our community. Um, And that's how we move forward. Um, Not only by holding people in our communities accountable, but by supporting local radio stations um, like WRT. And I am hopeful that we meet and surpass our eight pledge goal today um, because WRT needs not only listeners to tune in every day and to call and ask questions of the people who are being interviewed, but they need folks to um, provide resources so the lights can go on um, and the technology can be here. So um, I really want to encourage people to give WRT a call or go online and make a donation because without listeners um, contributing, WRT's success is not going to be there. Yes. And I'd like to remind everyone, the majority of us are volunteers. This is one of my favorite things that I've ever had the honor to do. This is my 10th year hosting uh, a public affair. But I am a volunteer. Um, So the money that you give, it's not going into my pocket. You are not, you know, supporting me. What you are doing is supporting WORT, keeping the lights on, literally. Helping update our soundboard, literally. These are the things that we need so that we can be a thriving successful radio station um so please give us a call at area code 608-256-2001 or you can pledge online at wortfm.org now i know we're going to get to the second half of our show in just one second but i want to remind everyone please call and support our work i want to give a huge thank you to mary joe and lois who are staffing the phones right now we have our food donor Um, Right now, it's migrants. Super yummy. I cannot wait to eat that. It's going to be delicious. So huge thank you to all the volunteers and community leaders that bring us together and the restaurants that keep us fed. I mean, that's certainly the theme of today. Um, But it's just so great to have everyone here. And again, area code 608-256-2001. Now, I want to do a quick transition because we have Jade, our producer, is here. She's going to kick off the next show because we have an amazing guest. The owner of Lola's is here. And I got really excited and then I got really scared because I'm like, I haven't been there yet (laughs) because you can't get in sometimes. I haven't been aggressive enough. And I'm like, I can't interview this, you know, this amazing sort of shiny new restaurant and not have even been there so thank goodness jade i did my homework i want so it was so <laughs> funny yesterday i was like great i'll go there right now and i'm like oh they're closed on tuesday the only day yeah, they're closed it's good to take a day <laughs> off didn't work out for me i can't wait to go and so i'm just gonna kick it right off over to you jade yeah absolutely so our guest joining us right now is matt girding matt, i didn't ask you if that's how you pronounce your last name you nailed it Girding. i got it yeah. he Woo-hoo. is uh the one of the co co-owners of Lola's High Low Lounge, which just opened on North Sherman Avenue in November. And he is joining us to talk about, this, continue this conversation about the food scene in Madison. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Super happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, so I live on the north side, <laughs> and I will tell you that I drive by 
I've literally parked my car in the parking lot multiple times, and I have tried to get in. And even as a Northsider, I feel like we need to have like a special Northside card <laughs> to be able to jump to the front of the line. Northside back door. That's actually a pretty a pretty good idea because we're super loyal to our Northside community. But yeah. it's, we hear that all the time. We are so excited that yeah. you are on I mean, the Northside. What a great problem to have! You it, just bursting at the seams. Uh, totally. I mean, I I think at some point. The, the pool of customers will start to shrink and and focus in on the north side. But right now, it's like we've got people coming from all over the city. So there's definitely long waits, certainly on like Fridays and Saturdays. But it's uh, honestly, we're in our fourth month and we've expected it to, to slow down and it hasn't yet. You know, like we're still the shiny new toy in town, but I'm sure that'll wear off at some point. And it's you know, it's a dark, moody cocktail lounge. And so I don't know in Madison if people want to go into that in July when it's nice yeah. outside, you know. So we don't know what the summer will bring. But, yeah, it's been pretty yeah. pretty awesome so right. far. Melissa, I'm, put it on your calendar for July. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I yeah, will say that, do that, like, it seems to be around 345 that there's a queue of people that start lining up. Is that every single day for you guys? Almost, yeah. We, oh, open, wow. at, we open at 4 o'clock. And there was, on Saturday... I counted. There was like seventy people in line oh at four God. o'clock. And what's your capacity? Ninety nine. And <laughs> wow. so, and so, and it's just like you know. And I come from mostly the concert background, and so I'm used to queuing people in lines and seeing people funnel in. But, um, but it's been pretty overwhelming. And the, the the toughest part sometimes is that everyone sits down, and all of a sudden there's ninety nine people in the restaurant, and they all want cocktails immediately. <laughs> right now. And our bartenders are like, "Oh my God, how many cocktails can we make in fifteen minutes?" You know. Um, but yeah, certainly good good problem to have for sure. We have to start making pitcher cocktails. You know, we what well, we do we do a lot of batch cocktails now, and we have we have some draft cocktails that we're in in progress um, with. So so yeah, we've we've adjusted to the demand so that we can pump things out a little bit quicker. Can you tell us the the backstory of Lola's? I know you have a, you have a good backstory. Give us the give us a spiel. Sure. Um, so you know, I come from. Uh, the concert world. I've started the Majestic Theater, uh, bought it in 2007 and opened it and ran it for 10 years. We merged our company with Frank Productions, started FPC Live, and I I left the company in February last year, um, mostly for personal reasons, just to spend more time with with kids and my wife owns Ancora. And so we were kind of at a point in our life where we wanted to um, to kind of look for new opportunities and do something together. And of course, looking at work-life balance, you quickly jump into the restaurant business. That's what everybody does. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, we live on the north side and we there was this vacant space next to Ancora on the north side and we started looking at it. Um, and we're just curious out of the gate. And then we started talking to our friend Evan, who's our partner who owns Cadre, um, which is a, a restaurant on the, the near west side. And we just came up with this idea to to try something. And we just kind of opened our eyes and started looking for points of inspiration. And about that time, I was falling in love with a bar in my wife's hometown called Lola's Tomcat Lounge, which is in St. Nazian's, Wisconsin. And the owner is uh, 87 years old and still bartends every night. And it's like this diamond in a rough, you know, 60s era cocktail lounge um, that my wife and I had gone to for a few years. Um, when we're back home visiting her family. And so we, we were like, man, we could do like a moody 60s era cocktail lounge. And then, you know, me being a, a music junkie, we decided to figure out how we could tie music into it and started learning more about the this jazz kissa concept, which is essentially a, a jazz cafe in Japan. And there's a bunch of them in Japan that are basically these listening rooms where you go and sip cocktails and listen to jazz mm-hmm. records on vinyl through these incredible high fidelity sound systems. So I was like, oh my gosh, we could tie that into it. And then of course the 60s is like the golden era of jazz and soul and Motown. And so we decided to add a DJ booth and these great speakers and make it sort of a vinyl bar. And so we kind of had this domino effect of, of piecing together, you know, what the concept would look like. And then we decided to name it in honor of, of Lola herself and called it called it Lola's um, High Low Lounge, which is sort of a, a twist on the Hi-Fi Lounge. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how the... The idea came to be, and then we added food to the mix um, when Evan came up with a whole bunch of fun ideas, and we've got cracker crust pizza and dumplings and noodles and great cocktails, and everything kind of came together over a whole bunch of you know brainstorming sessions over time, but we're pretty excited with how, how it turned out. So I um, am under the impression that you have had Lola here. Uh, what was her reaction to see what it is that you did from her legacy she was just overwhelmed so we for our opening 
we sent a limo to to Lola's up in St. Nazian's, which is right by Manitowoc. It's a couple hours north of here. And she and her whole family came down. And, and Lola is like a Marilyn Monroe fanatic. You know, she sometimes bartends in high heels. And we wanted to give her her sort of big Hollywood moment. Mm-hmm. So we brought her down in the limo. And she got out of the limo and saw our sort of vintage neon sign. And she, she started crying. And I started crying. <laughs> and it was this big emotional moment where it was sort of just someone that's been serving her community in a small town for, you know, 30 plus years and building a customer base who would just adore her to be able to kind of shine a big spotlight on her was was a pretty special moment and I get choked up almost talking about it because it was it was just a special night and she came into the bar and we've got a whole bunch of Marilyn Monroe stuff in there that that is sort of a nod to to her bar and uh it was a emotional experience but it was just awesome and she was just so excited and she cried several times and we sent her back up and I, t- I talked to her once a week or so and interestingly she's I talked to her last week and she said she's never been more busy at her Lola's than ever before because people are finding out about it through us <laughs> and are driving from all over the state or all around the country and she's just said she's packed all the time and she just she loves it so it's been fun to kind of see what what impact it's had to kind of turn her into this legend you know so so yeah that that part of it's been been pretty fun it's amazing um you said something uh that really made me think back to my experience i I was able to get a table on sunday actually with no issue i walked in and we got a table right away but i was like wow i've never heard the music have to get switched every, you know, like 15, 20 minutes and they're on the vinyls on great speakers. Um, I feel like that is that difficult sometimes to be doing all your music on vinyl. It is. We don't do all vinyl all the okay. time. We do have streaming <laughs> options and there's certainly times where it's so busy, like asking a bartender to remember to flip a record over every 20 minutes is a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, on Sundays, you know, it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. and we'll, and we'll flip records then, you know, every Wednesday we do a vinyl listening session. So, um, I handpick those records, and so every Wednesday I come down and play records myself, and it's a little bit slower and easier easier to do it. But you know, tonight we're playing Aretha Franklin's "Lady Soul," and we play the record start to finish and kind of pump it up through through our sound system, and gives people a unique unique experience. And you know, we sort of just celebrate albums, especially from that sort of '60s era, you know, of golden golden era of jazz and Motown. So when you go. I'm trying to like plan my, sure. and I absolutely will go in July because I can be grumpy at any time. There's no reason. <laughs> um, but when you go, it's not just going for dinner. Do people stay longer and sort of linger? And you're like, oh my God, there's a line out the door. Get out of your booth. But they, is that what it's meant to be? Is is not just a restaurant, but a, a place to sit and listen to music all night long. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of our vision out of the gate. But of course, you know, now that we're as busy as we have been, it's, you know, we have a lot of what we call campers, um, you know, which is people that will give a, get a booth and be there for three plus hours because yeah. they're having a great time and drinking cocktails and listening to music. And so, you know, we, we try not to shove people out of the restaurant, but um, people typically sort of get the hint and understand that we're as busy as we have been. But um, but there's definitely like like Sundays is a good example where it's it's a little more chill or after eight o'clock on Wednesdays or Thursdays where you can get a seat, you know, relatively easily. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think people are loving the experience of being there. And I think when they walk in and they hear great sound and they're, you know, having great food and drinking cocktails, they tend to not want to leave, which is another mm-hmm. sort of good, good problem to have. Um, and so, you know, we like to encourage people to to stick around and, and we have a lot of DJs that play Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays too. So people come, you know, for the full kind of top to bottom experience, which I has, which I do think has been kind of post pandemic has been something in the restaurant scene in general has become more important, which is sort of creating these memorable experiences for people to where it's more than just sort of like going because you want a specific cocktail or a specific thing to eat that people want to create memories and experiences when they go out to eat now. And so, you know, I think we tapped into that a little bit where it's, you know, it's different than any other place in Madison. We have music and speakers and cocktails and food and, and, you know, funky art and all of these things sort of add up to this comprehensive experience that people are, are responding to. 
Yeah, I want to ask you more about that, but we're we only got 15 minutes left, and I think we need to ask people to donate, yeah? To we yourself? want to take a quick, yeah. a, a quick break. Uh, I mean, obviously, we want to get back to the conversation quickly as possible, but we need some love. We need a little WORT love. Phone number is area code 608-256-2001, um, or you can pledge online at wortfm.org. Melissa, what are you thinking about this conversation we're having? Uh, and love for the uh, North Side, which is, of course, your true love of Madison. I love the North Side, and I love the fact that it is a, a spot that people are planting seeds and investing, um, not only in their families, but in the sense of community. And uh, the fact that Lola's is there, and there are a number of other um, new establishments that are on the horizons. I think we are we are making that mark, and it's gonna, it is a destination that people are looking forward to. And very much like WORT, uh, we need the support um, of our community in order to make WRT successful. The North Side needs the support of businesses like Lola's and, and innovators in order to make sure that it is growing. So if people could please uh, pledge to support WRT today um, so that we can be on the air and tell the stories of businesses like Lola's. Uh, it is not, that does not happen without listener support. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I want to give a huge shout out to Jade because she produces this. I mean, she's one of the not volunteers here. I mean, she works so hard and is always here putting together amazing shows, amazing conversations. When I say, gee, for Pledge Week, let's talk about restaurants. And then all of a sudden, whoa, we get Morris Ramen and Lola's in. I mean, that's because Jade's an amazing producer and she knows what's going on in this city. And if you want to continue to hear things like that we need to make sure jade gets paid and jade has a desk and lights on and and equipment to get things done um yeah, yeah. well i'll also say i am part-time i work a, a mighty three hours a day right so i am i am taking the money that you give to wort and i'm stretching it as far as i can um in that uh in that way you know i think all of the um, staff here really do that, right? They understand that what we're doing here is a community project. It's not just a job that we're clocking in at. It's a job that we're, you know, trying to we're trying to do the most with the resources that we have and reach as many people and have as many great mm -hmm. conversations as possible. WRT is incredibly efficient. Yeah. I've been here for <laughs> ten years, and they take your dollar and they do turn it into the you know, longest dollar there is. Mm -hmm. Giving money to WRT will not disappoint. It really goes the full mile. So um, we're going to get back to the interview, but I'm going to remind everyone the phone number, which is area code 608-256-2001, or pledge online, <clears throat> as I clear my <laughs> voice, um, at wortfm.org. Yeah, hey, Matt, you were talking about the the looking, like there's so much to look at at Lola's. Who... Who's behind that? Who's the visionary um, that made Lola's? So like, it's like red tinted. I feel like there's texture to the walls and to the to the seating stuff. What? Who? Who comes up with all that? It was a super collaborative effort between myself and my wife and Evan and and his partner Tori. I'm sorry, his partner Kathy. And then um, you know we obviously drew a lot of inspiration from the original Lola's too, and so we kind of had a. A north star to, to point to mm -hmm. um you know a lot of it was like making trips to atomic antiques and like being like oh my gosh look at these chairs we have to have them or going up to columbus wisconsin to the antique mall up there and finding furniture or pieces of art that we felt really kind of you know hit the vibe that we were going for mm -hmm. um and so you know we also spent a lot of time on pinterest and looking online and you know, the the pendants that hang from above the bar, these moody sort of red tinted pendants that we found on Etsy and this guy in Ukraine made them by hand. And so, you know, he only had one and we were like, hey, can you make us eight more? And he was like, oh, I have to go off to war for two weeks, but I'll try to work on it when I get oh, back. Gosh. And so, you know, it, it was there was a lot of just time and research and effort and finding things that we thought really hit what we were going for and it was sort of trial and error and once we saw something we were like oh my gosh we have to have that so um yeah it was a super collaborative effort um but so i would say we're you know we're all you know combined visionaries in terms of coming up with what the what the vibe would be and and we did work with our friends at ro everly architects and their design team as well who helped kind of take our vision and put it on paper and 
and give us some, um, you know, some guidance in terms of like how, what was possible and what wasn't. But um, yeah, that was a super fun part of the process, certainly. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's breathtaking. I definitely like you walk in, or well, I think I think the strip mall aspect of it, right, is you've got um, your next door to a travel agency. Um, there's Vic Pierce in that thing. And I don't, I don't think you know what you're going to walk into when you then walk into the... Um, like the storm doors or what is that called? The like vestibule. The, the vestibule. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you walk into the space and it's, I feel like it reminds me a lot of walking into um, El Tigre. Is that yeah, the restaurant? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Le Tigre. Le, Le Tigre, yeah. Yeah. It, and we wanted to sort of play with that contrast a little bit, which is kind of why we came up with this idea of the high-low lounge, which is kind of like, you know, it's got, it's a hi-fi bar and there's kind of some high-end finishes and, and we do have some high-end cocktails on the menu, but, um, you know, we wanted to take kind of a lowbrow approach to, to, you know, service, or we have some cheap cans of beer and like we wanted to, to surprise people in sort of a speakeasy kind of way. And that like, they look at the strip mall, which isn't terribly easy on the eyes from the outside. And then they sort of walk in and are blown away by, the idea that this place exists, you know, in this, in the strip mall. And so, um, so yeah, that, that was a fun part to play around with as well. So I love the idea of sort of combining, you know, high end and low end and really just sort of mixing it all together to be whatever, wherever you think you as an individual are on the spectrum, you belong here. (laughs) I think that that's so unique to have just a space in a community like that. Um, some of my favorite restaurants in Madison, I feel like, oh, my God, this food is so high end and fancy. And I'm sitting here in jeans with my kids who are, you know, a little obnoxious and we still totally belong here. And I feel like there's magic when you can do that. For sure. And I think it speaks to just Wisconsin culture in general or restaurant culture, which is like <laughs> we always throw the term around Wisconsin fancy, which is like, you know, you go to a supper club in northern Wisconsin and it might be a, a really nice dining experience, but like you know, they still make their old fashions with Corbell and it's like, and there's a, there's always, you know, someone in a, in a Packers hoodie or whatever. And it's like, you know, you, you kind of respond to the, to the climate with fashion and all these things. And so, you know, it was important for us to kind of be a place that was approachable for anybody in the community. If you want to, you know, $4 hams, you can get that. But if you want a, a, a Manhattan served up in, a, in fancy glassware, you can get that too. Um, and even down to the food, you know, which we wanted to have simple kind of cracker crust pizza and noodles and dumplings. And so, you know, we use the term global tavern food, which is what our partner Evan came up with, which is food that you can get anywhere anywhere in the world at any tavern around the world. We just didn't say where, where, where the tavern was exactly. And so, um, so kind of taking that kind of street level community, you know, approach to, to service and food and drink and vibe, I think was important to us because we wanted to, to be a home for, for everybody in the community. So when my kids were little, we used to read the Magic Treehouse books. And the one time I was actually able to get in your restaurant, but I wasn't able to stay because there wasn't a spot for me. It was like going in the Magic Treehouse mm. where you are exactly what Jade was saying. You're walking in and you don't know what it is that you're going to expect. And all of a sudden you've been transcended into this totally different reality, this different place. Um, and I'm super excited about being able to come in and experience it at a more deep level than that. But as I've explained my two minutes in your facility, uh, I use that magic treehouse analogy. I don't know if you read those books or not. No, I, you know, I didn't, but I should. I have, I have two girls, six and four. And so we, oh, we, need, to, to we need to dive into the magic <laughs> treehouse books. They're the best chapter yeah. books. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I, I know, I know a whole lot more about, uh, all kinds of weird children's books that I never thought I would, <laughs> I would reread in my life, but, but yeah, they're, they're pretty fun. So. Well, we're running out of time and we got to ask for pledges one more time uh, before we go. So I wanted to just uh, sort of wrap up this conversation in the show. You know, we just talked to Francesca Hong, who is closing Morris. um, And, you know, Lola's has just been open for four months now. Are there restaurants who are, you know, super beloved in Madison who you um, look at and sort of take inspiration um, from as you guys continue on in this this journey? Certainly. I mean, you know, I think any, any, you know, like Francesca, you know, we really like to look at some of the smaller restaurants that are, 
uh, created from people that have been in the restaurant industry for a long time. And so, you know, we're we're big fans of Ahan, of course, as, as everybody is right now, which is one of my favorite restaurants I've, I've ever eaten at in my entire life. Um, and so, you know, and then on the other side of that, you know, we go to Heritage Tavern a, a lot. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are inspired by, you know, the the craft of food all over the city. And so, you know, in terms of like drawing on that inspiration for Lola's, um, you know, from a food side of things, our partner Evan um, is pretty talented and he's done so many different genres of food and he kind of leads leads the charge on kind of the next incarnation of, of, of food at Lola's. But, you know, he also likes to look globally and, and, and pay attention to what's happening in terms of trends all over the world and kind of pull from that as well. But, um, you know, I feel a little bit sometimes like an imposter in the restaurant industry here because I, I come from the concert side of things and, and I handle all the music programming and the marketing and I love restaurants, but, um, you know, I, I sort of leave the kind of the food side of things up to, to Evan to kind of steer that, but he's, um, he's pretty dialed into the community on that side of things and brings a lot of fresh ideas to the table. Yeah. You're in good hands with Evan. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all are. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My stomach especially. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. This is Jade. You good? I mean, I'm good. It, yeah, I got a, all my questions. I need it answered. So, yeah. First of all, Jade, thank you for taking charge of this interview because you know. I mean, Lola I, experience. I, I put Evan's food in my body, you I know, mean, and I got I had those cocktails, and exactly. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today and for sharing with us really the magic that is Lola's. I cannot wait to go there. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and and if I could, I would love to just make one statement about just the pledge drive yeah. and yes, supporting please. the restaurant community. You know, I've been aware of WRT for a long time and worked with with Wart. Um, in the concert side of things and now in the restaurant side of things and these types of conversations and these interviews have a trickle-down effect to communities that need it and I think that you know shining a spotlight on people that are doing good hard work and that invest themselves in the small business community with their lives and having a station that pays attention to that that can sort of have that trickle-down effect of the opportunity to shine a spotlight on these people and have that actually affect you know their business and if someone hears about lola's through this interview and comes and spends money that supports my family and so you know there's a million stories like that that you all participate in throughout the year and that's why i think it's really important to continue to support wart by pledging because um because it does have an effect on the community in a real tangible way um in moments like this so I just wanted to to say that before I take off. Thank, Thank you, Matt. You. Thank you, Matt. I mean, there can't. That's the best sell that we have. And if you're moved by that, as we all are here in the room, please give us a call at area code six zero eight two five six two zero zero one or wortfm.org. And again, Mary Jo and Lois are both. They're ready to answer the phone they just want to hear it ring so please give us a call and a huge of course thank you to jade for uh producing today's show Shali, our uh, news director jay our engineer um migrants for our food donation today it's so great um a huge huge thank you to melissa agard uh, for joining us today, for taking a moment between the Senate chaos to join us and talk to us about um, why she loves Ward. It's just, it's great to have, you know, the Madison natives here too that can really hone in on the magic of Ward. Final, final thoughts, Melissa? You know, people, we need to live our values. Um, and if you value Ward, now is the time to call. 256-2001 to make a donation to WRT so that they can continue doing the amazing work that we all depend on. I know that um, my radio station is uh, one of the buttons to wart. So join us in supporting WRT today. That's fantastic. Phone number one more time, area code 608-256-2001. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay warm out there. We'll see you again next week. The apathetic bullshit to send them all your Prozac. I will not climb into your telephone tree in hell. No, you cannot.